That's a great question, Adam. <laughs> Scott, that is a really great question. <laughs> Maybe I'll just slip one in. You'll just get us <laughs> laughing. At some point. You'll just get us laughing about it. Just when, he, when it gets serious. Right. Do I hit record? We're recording everywhere. We're recording. Hang on. Hang on. Recording, recording, recording. Reco- four records. Okay. Hang on. Hey, Siri. Time, 28 minutes. Do you know, every time you say that, when I go to edit at home, I it know. sets off my home pods. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the credits. Where's the music? There it is. All right, here we are. We're back. Back once again. It's been a couple of weeks. I had a bit of a mistimed week off, didn't I? Yeah, very selfishly took a week off work. Never allowed to do that again. <laughs> Left you on your own. Left me on my own, doing two man's work. <laughs> so very much appreciated, but um, glad you're back. We are here. Did you have a good week off? It was excellent, thank you, yeah. Where did you get to? I went to York. Oh, I almost glorious. forgot where I went then. Yeah, glorious. Uh, York, yeah. Took some nice. nice photos? Yeah. I took the trusty old new Lumix S5. Not old, to New. New. And yeah, had a lot of fun just Fantastic. walking around taking photos. Good, Beautiful. good, 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 good. Um, welcome back to the Creative Pursuit podcast with myself, Adam Burkett. And me, Scott Edwards. Um, we're delighted today to be able to welcome a first guest on the Creative Pursuit podcast, Mr. James Sills. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, a little bit of a background about James before we get into the conversation. Um, James is a, a good friend of mine who we met, who I met a number of years ago. We got to know each other really well in the last year or so. Um, we're both members of the Spooky Men's Chorale uh, Festival favourites or touring act from Australia who we hook up with every couple of years. That'll need some explaining, but we can explain it. We'll get yeah. to it, shall we? <laughs> yeah. We'll get to it. Um, James is a, a musical professional, um, best described, I guess, as a, a musician, energizer and connector of people through the medium of song um, and singing and vocal groups. Um, you've done loads of great work with some of the biggest companies in the world and doing singing workshops with, with their executives. Um, I know you're a very passionate advocate of well-being through song and that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, and you've done some amazing stuff. Um, got a book out, Do Sing, which we'll talk about a little bit. We Just for the publishers. There we go. Hold there on to this. If you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching it. If you're watching it. Yeah. We'll talk about the book a little bit. Um, finding your voice and reclaiming your voice and using it for good and the mental and physical benefits of all that. Um I know you did an amazing thing back in 2020 and started um, Sofa Singers. Yes. Which we'll talk about. An amazing community of online singers. Um, and the Rex and One Love Choir, I remember we spoke about as well, yeah. which is an incredible thing that you set up. When was that? Uh, 2018. 2018. 2018. Yeah. Um, which is the first choir for homeless and marginalised people using singing as a tool to bring in, people in together. Wales. In Wales. In Wales. In Wales, yeah. Um, so, a fantastic CV, and you certainly sort of tick all the boxes of somebody who works in a creative sector and has lots of important juicy things to say about creativity and the importance oh, of I hope, it. I hope I can bring something to the table at least anyway, Adam, yeah. I have no, I have <laughs> no doubt whatsoever in, in that, that you'll have lots of interesting juicy stuff for us. Um, let's start a little bit with um, your sort of background, I suppose. So how, how did you end up or, or how did you start in your career with, um, with music or with being a creative role? Yeah, I'll, I'll go for the short version of this, I guess. Um, I mean, like music, 
uh, yeah, music was always there, like through my childhood. Um, but it kind of, kind of came to a crunch point, I think, when I was like 15 or 16. You have to start like, you know, it's like time at school. We have to start choosing things like what subjects are going to take on. And, you know, like who are my people, you know, like in the sixth form common room. And just I just kind of realized that it, that it was music and, and that was just the path I was taking. I didn't think of it as necessarily a path for life but I was like okay well what do I love doing like I really like playing like um playing in my like school jazz band that's really fun but also I like playing in a band with my mates and it really it was really when I joined my first band I think when I was 16 playing Nirvana covers oh. dyeing your hair green you had green hair well certain gigs we did um first gig was in a church singing Smells Like Teen Spirit in suits. You know, like all the cliches. <laughs> Luckily, you, long the, before even MySpace, so like there's no, there's no evidence really. Were you the Kurt Cobain? I was Kurt, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing completely... Um, Sorry, carry on, uh, we're just doing a volume adjustment. Sorry, right. volume adjustment. Um, in a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> Load up on guns and bring your friends. <laughs> Unintentionally. Um... <laughs> But anyway, that was like, I think that was the moment where like all these different things started coming together. I was like, I love playing music. Um, and also we started off doing covers and then I started write, helping write the songs and we'll maybe dive into that because that was definitely my first kind of like light bulb moment with like, you know, creativity, I suppose. Mm. But it was also like, these are my mates. We're hanging out. We get to go and do gigs. People like it. We can hang around and eat pizza um, you know, and then we started earning money for it and was like, like what this is just amazing. Mm. Like, you know, and it's quite and the aphrodisiac, isn't it? Yeah. The, the whole sort of creative world once you get into it, and especially if you earn a few quid out of it, it's like, well, why would I want to do anything yeah, else? It's like, why wouldn't you? And and it was just like literally like, you know, probably like fifty quid for a gig or something. Like yeah. it, it wasn't it wasn't serious money. Um, but it was it was just the bringing together of everything, I think. It was like, I can create things, I can play music, you know. And, and there's also something, there's like, there's definitely like an entrepreneurial spirit that's always been with me, I think. But I also just really like the idea of just making things happen. Mm. Like putting on a show, selling tickets. Yeah, like you make a bit of money on it, but it's just that thing of like making something happen, you know, and like... Or making something or just make, yeah, just making something, yeah. Doing exactly. a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I've always, I think I've always been interested in like the, the you know, the music side and the kind of, the, the creating the, the the musical event or whatever, but also just the bigger thing of like, you know, I used to love putting on gigs. There was, um, I grew up in like a tiny village in Yorkshire and underneath um, uh, the church, there was like a, a little theatre, which is where they did the pantos and stuff. And we called it, the underground. We called it the Harden Underground because my village was called Harden and we thought it sounded really edgy. And we used to put on gigs in there with my band and my mate turned up with his smoke machine and he DJ'd and like <laughs> we'd have like the panto backdrop behind us, you know, and we'd be there like doing like Nirvana and Offspring covers and we'd have about 100 people in there crowd surfing and it felt like, you know, we could have been wow. like... You know, it could have been like 1977 with the Sex Pistols. Like, it didn't matter. Like, we just made it happen ourselves. You know, it, it's, it's so familiar. <laughs> Am I painting story. a picture? <laughs> I was there. I just was a few hundred miles yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done exactly. exactly the same thing at the Winnington Recreational Centre in Norfolk. You know, putting yeah. on bands with, uh, gigs with my mates yeah. and, and crowd yeah. surfing and Nothing playing better. covers. Nothing better, yeah. And th that's how... Um, you get bitten by the bug, I suppose. It's where it all begins. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, like but you without that. that feeling, like you wouldn't know what you're aspiring to. Yeah, but then look as you as it progresses and you turn it into a career or whatever, that's where you're always aspiring to 
do still you get that excitement from Re- it yeah recapturing yeah it. yeah i was listening to a podcast yesterday talking about um the kind of awe and the importance of awe and how we need to keep connecting with awe in our lives and mm. they're talking about collective effervescence you know that okay. sense of like just that energy in the room yeah, doing right. something together which which is a lot of what i do now in my work in my singing work both with choirs and corporates and whatever but that's basically trying to distill that feeling, you know. And that's what was taken away from us so so notably at the beginning of 2020. Right, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and singing was the first thing to go, and it was probably the last thing to come back. Yeah. In yeah. terms of being in a room and being able to sing next to other people. And it's... I've, I, I'm a big advocate for it. I've spent my life singing and being in, mu- in you know, in musical settings. And I, I've, I notice it when I'm not doing it regularly, particularly singing, music in general, but mainly singing. Mm. I miss that feeling of human connection yeah. with others. Yeah. And it's like, um, I can't remember where I read it. I read it somewhere recently, but um, speak to a man and you've got a friend, sing with a man and you've got a brother. Yeah. Right? You've got like this connection through song. Mm. That you, it's, it's difficult to get through other things 100%. that I found in my experience. Like I can't connect with people in the same way I can. Yeah. You know, uh, I joined the Spooks last year. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but like, I consider the Spooks now like my brotherhood. They're my tribe, mm. you know, f- really close friends. Having spent a few weeks together mm. in the summer last year, you but know. You're having a whole experience together. Massively. That, that's what builds that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Singing is so important. Yeah, it's, it's, it creates a big memory. Yeah. And then you're always. Yeah, it draws you all in. So 2020 happens. Yes. The pandemic kicks in. Yeah. And then you manage to, you know, film this amazing thing um, off the back of... I mean, it started before the pandemic, am I right saying? So we're talking about sofa singers here. Sofa singers, Tell us a little yeah, bit yeah, about yeah. sofa singers. Just, you're saying about, you know, um, that singing was banned and was the last thing to come back, which is true. The, the slight kind of irony is that the book came out about three months before lockdown. The name of the book is Do Sing. And for most of the lifetime of this book, the, the official message was don't has sing. been do not sing. Do, do whatever you want, but don't sing. Yeah. yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, look, the, the, the thrust of, of the book is that singing is good for us. It brings us together as community. It's got incredible mental health benefits, incredible physical benefits, it's, you know, it kind of addresses two of the biggest problems that are addressing us on a societal level, which is loneliness and uh, lack of community and the mental health kind of issues that spiral out of that. So all, all those are interlinked anyway. So that was the, the main thrust of the book. And, and I always um, have tried to open access to singing in as many ways as possible, you know, so... That I really appreciate in your introduction, you didn't call me like a choir master or or whatever, because I think that has loads of baggage that can put a lot of people off. Um, I think choirs, in inverted yeah. commas, you know, yeah. it's quite an old fashioned concept. Community choirs, lots of middle aged people coming together and singing badly. Right, that's not what you do. I know that's not what you do. <laughs> You know, I've seen what you they do. Sing, they sing well. They sing really well. <laughs> and they're not all middle-aged, crusty singers. Like, they're all great people who want to do this thing, which is connect through song. Right. And it's a community thing about, you know, being amongst people. Which, exactly. And so how did you do that in an online, non-singy-together right. exactly. way? So, so, so that was the thrust of the book. And then, obviously, very quickly, it became obvious that we weren't going to be able to be in the room and sing together. And so everything that I, I've done up to this point, bar one thing that I'll, I'll come back to, actually, I'll park that and come back to it, um, 
has been in person. And my thing was always been get in a room with other people, listen to each other, the harmonies. It's amazing. It's a great communal experience. You know, that's always been my thing. And I've been freelance now for almost six years. And that's always what I've done, what I've known. And then, yeah, beginning of March 2020, like within the space of a couple of days, it was like, Okay, we'll have hand wash at our rehearsal this week. <laughs> and then a few days later, hmm, we might space the chairs out a bit. And it was like, I'm not going to see you for a while, am I? You know. And so at this point, um, the singing was happening on from the balconies in Italy, you know, because do you remember, you know, they were kind of further ahead than we were in terms of the development. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember seeing the videos uh, about Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Hear it throughout the streets. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So the people kind of from balconies singing. And I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. Like, this is people need to be singing now but we can't you know we can't if do it ever we needed to if, sing on, together yeah, seriously if we ever needed to sing you know because whenever there's been human hardship and hard times people have come together to sing cause it's a way of dealing with it you know but um i was like well we literally can't be in a room with anybody else so like how are we going to do this um and i think i just i, I posted something on instagram like with the picture of the italian streets and this is so inspiring we need to sing now more than ever but, you know, how are we going to do it? Maybe online. And, and just like so many people started diving in saying, yes, we must do it, we must do it. And then I got a message from Katie Durham at Radio 3 because as part of my promo for the book, I'd been on, on um, Radio 3 and uh, she was great. And she was like, look, if, if you get something up and running, we'll promote it on Radio 3. I was like, oh, okay, I probably should try it. Let's just like... So I said, I'll do something. I was like, oh, you know... I was talking to my wife, like, what do we call it? Like, couch choir? And she's like, nah, it's a bit like couch potato, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's not even going to be a choir because we can't hear each other. I was like, okay, sofa singers. Like, I like I like alliterations. Like, oh, yeah, okay, sofa singers, okay. So I put it out on my feeds. I'm like, yeah, um, Tuesday evening, there's going to be the first ever sofa singers on Zoom. Um, everyone's welcome. And then I was like, right, I've got three days to work out what... <laughs> what what the, how I'm going to do what it. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, having dabbled a little bit on trying to sing during the pandemic on zoom it's tricky business right you've got delays no no it's not is tricky it, it's just impossible yeah that's it, it. it that's the word i was looking for delays feedback yeah all the technical oh, every, everything everything so, I, so how does it work right so I, I i basically knew from the outset i wasn't going to unmute everybody because it's just like it'd just be, it'd be absolute chaos yeah because of just because of delaying whatever so i was like well how about i lead a song like from my sofa with my guitar but everyone stays on mute but they just join in with me like it was totally an experiment I'd like I just because I said I'd do it and I felt like I had to do something I felt like a, almost like a bit of a duty you know mm. uh, so I was like I'll tell you what I'll, so I like I think I bought I upgraded a Zoom account to 500 people maybe right I literally hadn't ever used Zoom before and I was just like oh waiting room letting people in oh how do I mute them like I had no idea <laughs> somehow we got to the point where everyone was unmuted I had my guitar and, and how like, many people did you have in the room oh we, we maxed it out 500 500 wow. yeah first session 500 oh I mean I committed the cardinal sin of putting the link just on my feeds you know because oh, so everyone's a freebie right yes, in the well door. yeah I mean I, but at this like for months there was no charge anyway like right, it was yeah, a complete yeah. freebie yeah. so it was like flooded by people loads of people couldn't get in uh, and I was like right okay everyone like managed to get everyone on mute I'm James welcome everyone we did a few little warm-ups like I do when we're doing the choir like you know rolling shoulders and a bit of mindful breathing I was like right we're going to sing Stand By Me now by Benny King you know, like in the early days of lockdown, I was like, we've got to sing songs about like unity, yeah, togetherness. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was important. 
And all of a sudden, like, there's just this sea of faces of people from about 50 different countries, all at home, like, grooving, singing. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this, like, this just feels, like, amazing. This like, is a thing. That, that, this is a thing. And so we spent about because 45... Because if you'd explained it to someone before doing it, you'd be like, nah, mate. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're. yeah. And, and still, like, I tell people about it, particularly people who've got experience of being in the room doing singing. They're like, oh, what a waste of time that is. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But, like, seriously, try it. And um, anyway, so we did it and it felt great and the feedback was amazing. And then we had a bit of time. I was like, does anyone want to do a song? Like, <laughs> like we're all here. We haven't got anything else to do, you know. <laughs> and it was St. Patrick's Day 2020. It was 17th of March. And then there was some guy was in the Dublin. That sent everyone home from work, if I remember was right. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we remember these dates. That we... And um, there was a guy and he was like, Oh yeah, and I was like, hands up, who wants to do a song? Like scrolling through, like on my own, you know. By the next session, I had like at least two people with me, like doing all this stuff. But yeah, people putting their hands up, unmute him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in Dublin. This is the first time St Patrick's Day. I haven't been able to go at the pub and sing for thirty years. Can I sing for oh. you?" And we're like, "Of course you can!" And so he sung this beautiful Irish ballad from home on his own unaccompanied and we're all just like oh my goodness right wow and then you know someone else is like just want to say hi like this is my dog we're locked down together but hi everyone you know and then <laughs> and then you know we kind of came off the call and I was like whoa that was that was amazing like I feel yeah. great like I feel connected and whoa like okay I feel a bit my, my back of my the hairs on the back of my neck is down a little bit because I remember that feeling in the, at the beginning of lockdown, when it all kicked off and we're all stood on yeah. the front clapping, all the rest of it, of like that complete isolation and the requirement, you know, some of us need it more than others, I suppose, of that sort of like human connection thing. Right. But there was the odd little thing I did a couple of pub quizzes and stuff like that with my mates, and it meant everything. Yeah. Oh, that connect the connection. Everything. Yeah. And so 100%. I can totally imagine like some dude in Dublin singing a song and like someone introducing you to the. It's everything. So then there's was- nothing else happening, you know? Yeah, and, and everyone was in a sli- everyone was in this kind of very kind of vulnerable state. Like it, you know, those early days. Like it's it's so funny looking back on it now. But it was months later where I think the the, the gravity of it, and you know, after months of lockdowns and not seeing people, those early days, it was a bit like, like what's going on? Like this is pretty going to be bad. But you know, so it was it was it was a, a kind of a, a weird kind of time. And looking ahead at Italy, a few weeks ahead. Yeah, of and is it going to get that grim. bad? Here? We knew what was coming. Oh, knew yeah. what was coming. Um, but anyway, so we did that first session, and it was amazing. And then I had a call. Was it that? No, the next morning. Hello there. Is that James? Yes, it's James. This is David Silito, arts editor at the BBC. Would like um, to do a feature on your sofa singers on tonight's six o'clock news. Okay. <laughs> Did right. you fall off your chair? <laughs> I was just like, I was just, okay, well, this mad new world is just, you know, it's obviously, the rules have been rewritten, so I'll just go with this, you know. Yeah. So we then had to replicate the session so they could get some footage. Oh, right. So I then put another thing out on my socials. It's still on my Instagram feed if you find it. And then we ran the session again with the BBC capturing the footage. And then at six o'clock, it went out to about 15 million people because it was in the air that lockdown was about to happen. And that and and from there it just totally exploded. So it was like um, you know, we then had to ticket it so people could actually get a place. It was still free at that point for everybody. It was like Glastonbury; it literally would sell out in two minutes. Wow. Oh I put the God. places available. So that's that was the gravity of how much people wanted just to feel connected and, and joyful. The timing of this was just like nothing well, you could have ever like, planned. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm, like, sh- I'm sure we'll go on to talk about this, but like, yeah, I mean, 
timing is so often everything, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like the right band being at the right moment in the right place. It's like Oasis. Like yeah. if Oasis yeah. hadn't been doing what they were doing in 1991, 1992, they were like, yeah, in a way they drove forward that movement. Mm. And in some ways, I think what I did with Sofa, Sofa Singers has driven forward that. But at the same time, if they'd have come 10 years later or 10 years earlier... It wouldn't have been would, the same. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So I think with every kind of big creative breakthrough or whatever even breakthroughs in life it's often timing isn't it I think 100% 100% and we've discussed this before in terms of like you feel like it might have been a bit of a fluke but actually these things aren't flukes they happen because you've put work and effort in and thought into something and it the timing is just the frisson. It's the yeah. the gravy on top that makes it all just take off and sometimes that timing will help or, uh, more than other times right and i think what you had in mind was a great concept anyway it's just that the catalyst for it was all being told to stay in your house and uh, people needed that connection yeah. that outlet something to get people together again you know? yeah yeah so i'm so i look back at the book now and i'm kicking myself like why didn't i think of that mm. like how how could i have thought that i was being really open access and let's invite everybody in because, because you know, Sofa Singers is still going strong now. Like it's our, we had our 300th session last week. Um, 300th? 300th, yeah. Wow. So we've basically done two a week since 17th of March, 2020. Wow. It's incredible. still going strong. Still going strong, yeah. Like we've, it's, it's now like a big part of my work. And so, you know, it's its own kind of small limited company. So I have to run it, you know, like That's a business. That's amazing. Um, so for a 300 session, we sung, ain't no stopping us now. <laughs> it's like what we said um, the other week. I think it was in like the first episode and you were on about starting MPF. Yeah. It's, it, it's at those harder times where exciting things do happen. Yeah. Right. It's, it's that juncture in time. We, we would never have, I would never have started this business if it wasn't for lockdown. Yeah, because, because yeah. you'd have been busy doing the event stuff. And the it band. was born out of desperation. Mm. Like, shit, what are we going to do? Mm event sector stopped overnight. It was like a tap being turned yeah. off. And, uh, and, and, and for me, it was similar, I think. I think I just felt a duty to do this. Like I'd kind of, particularly the book, I had a little bit more profile and it was like, people were looking to me like, can you just bring us together to sing? And like, I had no inclination that I could, you know, actually this would be something that'd be quite a big thing going forward for me. So you ha- do you have people now, uh, sofa singers who have been there right from the beginning? Yeah, like literally from session one or two. And you're still hundreds of people logging in yeah. every week? Yeah, yeah. So the, the way that it works um, is that we have uh, like a, a membership and yeah. I'd say about 98% of people who join the sessions are members, which is a, a monthly subscription that gets them access to all of the sessions that month, which is basically two a week, mm. um, plus a few extras. And then there are still some people who buy single tickets through like a, yeah, through a ticketing website. Um, when we first started, it was it was basically kind of donations based. So yeah. I had lots of people through buy me coffee. I got pretty caffeinated. <laughs> um, but then but then it was this thing as well. It was like, well, actually, it would really help us, you know, because the overheads with like, you know, subscriptions, paying PRS, paying people on the team. Like we needed like to know that we'd have a baseline of income to make it happen. Yeah. So I was like, well, what would, ha- you know, will people pay for something they could get for free? So the first like two years of membership, people were paying a membership for something they could technically get for f- free because it was ticketed free. But actually, people just wanted to buy into it. They, they wanted that community. They wanted to support it. Mm. You know, there's extras that we do for the members. So we have like a Desert Island Disc session or we have like Halloween parties where it's like, well, this is for our community, you know. And I know that word gets used a lot 
And it's a bit of a buzzword, isn't it, at the minute? But it, it, that is genuinely what it is. That's what genuinely what Sofa Singers is. And um, that format from that first night hasn't changed. So I lead a song with the guitar. It's a little more slick these days. Like I've, I do pre-records. Yeah. You can add harmonies. Um, we have a co-host who takes care of some of the technical stuff and we bounce off each other. So it's a bit more like this. It's conversational. Then we have the open mic. But that's basically a, a slightly formalised structure of what we did that very first session mm. where I literally didn't know what I was doing. But it was just like... It's amazing that formula worked yeah, right yeah, from the off. Right. And yeah, it didn't yeah, need yeah. a lot of tweaking. You just hit gold. Yeah. Uh, and and that's due to your experience and you know what people people want. I mean, where did that come from in terms of that, that sense of um, what people need from singing? Mm. It's not just about going... And you don't go to these things because just because you want to sing. No. So what are the benefits to people of song, of singing in groups, other than the enjoyment of singing? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, I think that's what I've come to realise is actually the most important thing for me to talk about. It's not actually the singing bit because that's when immediately people can turn off. So you could say to somebody, do you want to join the singing group? And they're like, oh God, singing, you know, because they've got this idea in their heads. Maybe it's like, you know, hallelujah. Or it's like glee or something. Or whatever. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not. These are not value. These are not value judgments. This, I'll make the judgments. Know, the, don't worry about. It. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> oh. But if you say to someone, "Do you want to feel part of something like, and it makes you feel good, and you'll meet some great people, and you know it can bring you up if you're feeling down, or if you're going through a tough time, it can be a really great distraction from that. Or like if I'm you know talking to like companies, it's like do you want to challenge like self-perceptions about things or do you want to tap into that flow state a bit more? Do you want to, you know, kind of smash inhibitions? Do you want to listen to each other a bit more? Like I could go on, mm. I can get really boring. When it's, it's not on boring. Um, it's not. But it's it, like, this is the thing. And I, and I think it's, it's, we shouldn't skim over it because the benefits of singing, particularly communally, mm. are so much greater than learning to be better at singing. Yeah, and, and and they're good for wellness in a world where wellness is 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 an important and prevalent topic. Yeah, and we right, shouldn't rightly so. Yeah, and, yeah. and rightly so, you know, there's people out there across the planet that go through really. It's a tough time for a lot of people right now in this post-pandemic era, and people are looking for ways to look after themselves better. Yeah, and to improve their lives and the rest of it. And I feel like singing as a as a way of doing that doesn't necessarily get enough column and shit. No, exactly. Oh, sorry, sorry. So I was going to say, it's like it's not just like a modern day thing either, that this singing is... It's as old as time. Exactly, you go into the... as old as... Sorry. You go into like the wilderness and there's tribes in South America and they're all singing. Yeah, right. Because it makes them feel good and it helps. And, and it brings so much, people together. It's so much to do... Uh, the, 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 the richness of history um, has been punctuated by song. All the way through. Yeah. You know, you're marching off to war, singing a song, yeah. you know, or whatever it might be, you yeah. know, it's as, old, it's as old as everything. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a theory that it was actually singing that was like one of the key things in our evolution as a species, as humans. Do tell more. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not the expert. The guy you need to speak to on this is Richard Dunbar. Um, okay. Okay. Sorry, before we get into that, are yeah. we um, going to need to reset? Oh, yeah. Before we do that, we're going to Have we run to out of time? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I was just about to say something <laughs> so really good we should explain. Okay. We should explain this to all of our guests. This camera here, this pesky camera in the middle with a cannon written on top of it, it has a runtime limit on video of 30 minutes. So every 30 minutes, we have to stop, play Fleetwood Mac, 
do a reset and then carry That's on good. our conversation. I like it. So it's, it's like a, a little, little punctuation like mark. Like a little palate cleanser. <laughs> it's like a little comma. It's like a comma. A little comma. Yeah. yeah. So let's hit it. Let's have a bit of Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Fives, isn't it? They could only hold, was it three minutes of music? Yeah. So and that so the format evolved around that. Popular music was based on the fact that you could only have a three minutes. Yeah, track. yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, like yeah. Get all, and all the early jazz records, like all the early Lou Armstrong Hot Five, Hot Seven, they're, they're all like exactly three minutes long. And yeah. like, there's no way that like when these have been, you know, played, you know, wherever they were, New Orleans or in the bars or whatever, yeah. that they would last for three minutes. They just had to condense it. It's I like, worked but, for a guy who okay. was. It, 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 if brilliant songwriter and he um, he was like yeah my songs will not be more than three minutes long I was like why so that's the way a pop song should be yeah. but it was how many side how many songs you could fit on a side of vinyl as well yeah. wasn't it mm. yeah. yeah it was all limited yeah. that's why an album was 42 minutes or whatever it was yeah. 44 yeah. minutes or whatever it was with 10 tracks or something yeah, like that yeah exactly you couldn't get all experimental and funky because you were limited this yeah. is a modern day version of that I love it it's great um, <laughs> I mean it's, it's ridiculous because every other camera we've got will go on forever just that one just that one yeah. listen up Canon UK <laughs> sort it out <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of time anyway back to what we're talking about so James Dunbar you say R- uh, Richard Dunbar Richard Dunbar I yes. do apologise so he's an expert in sort of like yeah evolution kind of human evolution but he writes a lot about singing and the role of singing um and i referenced him a little bit in the book like i i kind of feel like as much as i'm an advocate for the benefits of singing and i'm kind of you know i've i've got a good handle on quite a lot of the studies like i'm not an expert in any of these areas if you see what i mean i'm just mm. like gleaning little bits from here and i know enough to talk about it hopefully reasonably intelligently but basically like as we kind of grew in size as um kind of tribes we, we weren't able to kind of like literally groom each other, like lick each other and, you know, um, get the, the oxytocin that we get from that close physical contact um, that, that, you know, that, that, you know, we still talk about oxytocin. I don't know. Yeah, right. the, 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 the bonding hormone. Um, and so other mechanisms had to develop amongst, this is like early humans, by the way. Um, other mechanisms had to develop that would bond the group in the same way that mm. so you could get that oxytocin which then bonds the group which then puts you in a much better position against predators against other groups so so there's a theory um that singing actually developed um as a function to do that to bond the group so before language is that yeah 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 pre-language yeah, yeah so pre-language. what would it have been like melody and yeah, or maybe kind of chanting, or I don't know. I mean, um, beating sadly, your chest, and you know, possibly. Like, like I don't know. I have no idea what it, what it sounds like. But, but yeah, like yeah, exactly, exactly. It have, and, and you know, and singing has always been so tied to rhythm and to movement. Mm. Um, and so I imagine that there'd have been because I was talking about collective effervescence earlier, and a big part of that is movement. So like yeah. groups that synchronize movement. So like you're saying, like marching to war while singing. Right. That almost like heightens the impact of the singing because you're moving together and you've yeah, got this yeah, synchronicity. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure there was something with the early humans, humanoids, whatever, that that, that was part of it. Yeah. I'm sure I've read something about um, tempo as well, about certain tempos being um, aligned with 
heart rate yeah. and that kind of stuff. So being more powerful, a lot of dance music is, is at like 100 or 110 BPM mm. for that very reason, sort of resonates with someone when they're on the dance floor at that sort of Yeah, BPM. yeah, yeah. That's the art of the DJ, isn't it? It's the art of the DJ, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we, we try and do that in function bands and stuff as well. We course, try and yeah, like play within that sort of tempo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To try yeah, and keep yeah, yeah. people on the dance floor and, and feeling that sort of flow of energy at the right time right. and that kind of stuff. So and, and so you're getting this like the synchronicity between this disparate group of people. Like that's a really good like modern example of like, you know, the need for that oxytocin. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's something like sweaty a wedding, dance floor. A sweaty <laughs> dance floor. A load of people, like half the people know the bride, half the people know the groom. Yeah. You know. Tribes coming together. Tribes coming together, maybe a van within the tribe like how are we <laughs> going to bring them together you know Let's get them to sing Let's get them to sing together get them to move together yeah. you know and it's you know we are we are animals um and you know we need these things you know like i just think like singing and moving like there are so many things that we become estranged from like as a species yeah. like you know nature being a massive one you know mm -hmm. that, that yep. you know for many of us we're so disconnected from the natural world now um you know that that we're disconnected from creativity you know from making our own stuff you know you know most of us are just consumers these days um these like broad generalizations i know there's you know there's gonna be lots of exceptions but also you know we're estranged from from kind of singing from communal that collective effervescence you know and so there's a sense that we have to really start putting these things back in mm. because because well, I think there's more of an awareness for this now. Yeah, no, well, well, well there is. There's yeah, definitely exactly. more. Yeah, movement, yeah, 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 you know. yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so that's why you know we're starting talking about like forest bathing and, and the importance mm -hmm. of nature and, and why actually so, you're saying so like about singing coming back bathing? in. What's that? What's forest bathing? For, so forest bathing is sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it comes from Shirinyoku, which is Japanese. It started in Japan, um, and basically. You know, uh, Japan's got a... Have you ever been to Japan? Haven't been to Japan? I'd love to go to Japan. No, no, I'd love to go to Japan. Just shove all the sushi right into my mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's become very a very urban population quite quickly. Kind of, you know, really long working, like, uh, working hours, high levels of stress and burnout. Mm. And so the Japanese government trialled this idea where um, they've got like, a lot of these amazing national parks, like beautiful nature, beautiful forests. And in, in these forests, they um, put GP surgeries um, and they'd create these trails. And, and so basically people would go in, they'd like have their like blood pressure monitored and, you know, wh wh whatever else. And then they'd go out for a two hour walk around the forest and they'd come back and they'd have what? those same measurements and the evidence was like across the board like people um it, it was much better for them to be in nature they felt calmer blood mm. pressure went down no way. yeah but and imagine so if it, they did that over here so well it's, like, it's well there'd just be a lot of skepticism yeah it's it, it's becoming a thing and the reason i know quite a lot about this is because during lockdown one of the things i embarked on i did i wasn't part of the sourdough brigade but i did start my training <laughs> as a forest bathing practitioner did you yeah That's yeah i did cool. yeah uh, and I so mean, i got like There's a forest through. here, by the yeah, way. Right well, behind us. I know us. what we're doing after this podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, well, we know what we're doing this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and basically the idea of forest bathing is that um, you, you, it's generally led by by somebody and it just invites you to move very slowly through the space to connect with your senses and there's like a series of... This is where it start, starts to sound a bit woo-woo. Like invitations, like maybe little creative exercises or maybe like strike up a conversation with this mm. tree like what's the history of this tree mm. what can this tree tell you what can you tell this tree yeah um, but it's all about that deep deep connection with nature that we've lost like you know like in the in the history of you like in the history of humankind we've only lived in urban centers for a tiny 
fraction of that. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and so that's, you know, that is... That Just is about trying to get back to that fundamental nature stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. And I think... Um, sustainability is part of it being more aware of the ecology and environmental issues in front of us trying to get away from this consumer world that we live in where we're yeah. just burning more than we need yep. um it's been interesting the last couple of weeks for me on that topic um i had the pleasure of coming to one of your concerts on saturday i'd love to say it was in preparation for this podcast but actually it was because <laughs> i was invited by my mom and dad to one of your choirs um but it was amazing and um I really needed it actually mm. being there as a as I mean you very kindly invited me up to sing one but I was a I was a member of the yeah. audience and I just got to witness this and there was some really core cool, lovely messaging within it it was so positive to see what it did for your group of singers mm. but what it did for the audience as well yeah yeah it was in a beautiful it, space I have to say um I can't remember the name of the, the Lady Lever Art Gallery in, in, in the, the Wirral in the Wirral yeah. fantastic place yeah. beautiful acoustics just a lovely place to be but there was a song um Correct me if I'm wrong on the lyrics, but everything we have is here. That was the gist of it, yeah. The uh, gist what, of it. what we need is here. What we need is here. Yeah. We, everything we ever need on the planet is already here. Mm. We don't have to make anything new. It's all here. We need to yeah. reuse stuff. Yeah. We happen to be working with a client as well. Simultaneously, this was all very planets aligning for me, seeing this and seeing you sing like this. Yeah. Um, also, with this client they're working with, I'm, go I'm flying over to Denmark and Norway in a couple of weeks to film for a company who turn um, waste cardboard into wood and furniture Amazing. and flooring and stuff. And they're doing it using repurposed paper mills. So even the machinery to do it Brilliant. is all... Re it's such a cool company. I'm so... I'm, I'm, a, I'm just in love with working with them. Mm. It's fantastic. And it just made me really, really think that combined with going to your concert was very much made me just thinking about, we need to stop thinking about new stuff. We need to stop thinking about like yep. putting more shit into the world mm. and actually just think we've got everything. Yeah. We've got all the people we need. We've got all the material. We've got all the fuel we need. We just have to consciously as a, as a species start using it more responsibly yeah i'm going off on a slight tangent here but i heard an interview with david attenborough once and he was getting asked about space and he said are you interested in space and david attenborough was like no why would i because everything that we have is here mm. and i'm interested in this i'm not bothered about what goes on out there and how we got here because i want to know about this mm. and that's coming from david attenborough and he's he's just he knows he, he knows, knows a few things, things. He's, he he's just got the got most relaxing voice in the I world think, um, Going a little bit deeper with that as well. Like I completely agree about everything we need is on this planet. Yeah. We just need to reconnect with it or find ways of reconnecting. And I do think we are making some positive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not fast enough and it's not enough. No, definitely. Um, yeah. So the more we can all spread that gospel a little bit, yeah. you know, the better. I mean, I it's really good of you to like cycle to Denmark to well, reduce you're your carbon footprint. Yep. I mean... <laughs> Actually, I'm not cycling, I'm swimming. Are you oh, buying the electric car yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still that, on the horizon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but well, was, oh yeah, what I was going to say is that actually, if you take the idea of like what we need is here, with 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 that um, arrangement, it was from a Wendell Berry poem, which was very much about nature and 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 looking at what we have environmentally. But actually, I kind of think that's true for ourselves as well. Like yeah. I'm um, next week, Monday, in fact, um, I'm starting. Um, 
some training like as a like uh, as a coach in like personal professional coaching and so much of that is based on the idea that you've got all the resources already yeah it's just about how you, how you you know kind of employ them like playing to your best strengths like that you we've all got the internal resources to do what we need to do and I, you know and I do genuinely believe that and that's kind of thinking of my role as like a as a singing leader I don't feel that I'm really, I'm not teaching people to sing. Mm. I'm just getting it out of them. Like mm. it's, it's in there, mm. you know. I think particularly when you're dealing with uptight, middle-class, white British people as well, the, the number of people you must get who go, I can't sing. I've not got a, hum- a, a bone in my body that's got any tone or tune to it. Well, well, that's like the common response. It's the same when we take a photo of someone. I hate having my photo taken. Everyone goes, I can't sing. Oh, I've yeah. got no rhythm. Yeah. I, I was yeah. a drum teacher for 15 years and the number of people that I, yeah. I've got no rhythm. Yeah. yeah, you have. Have you got a heartbeat? You've got rhythms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, th- there's different degrees of that, um, Adam. I mean, with the case of the choir you were talking about, which in yeah. fact was my very first choir 11 years ago. I'd never run a choir before, you know, talking a bit about the creative journey. You know, I'd never, this was never planned, but I kind of accidentally started this choir and learned on the job and realised I loved it. Um, but anyway, th- that choir is people who, choose to come in fact there's a big waiting list and people pay to come so mm-hmm. it's like i don't need to convince these people yeah about the power of singing the like, virtues which of is being great. together no, and singing, i don't yeah. so that you know i can kind of take off my kind of missionary hat yeah exactly however last wednesday i found myself in a big it's like an aircraft hangar in leeds with 150 accountants from asda right now this is okay. Right. Now, now I mean, this I, is a different type this. of gig. So this, you do a lot of corporate stuff, right? Yeah. So you go and run workshops for big corporates, and this one was yeah. ASDA. Yeah. So I, you do, walk- I do it for small corporates as well, but I, I've increasingly I've been doing it for big corporates. Yeah. And this is so. really cool because this is for me. Like this is preaching the the right gospel the right way. <laughs> I love this because we've done a couple of things like this in, through UTC in terms of big corporates trying to get them out of themselves and getting singing and getting yeah. doing something interesting in the arts. So I, I'm really a big advocate for it, but I appreciate straight from the off how difficult it is. So how did you get into this as a thing? What, this particular gig or No, no, just in general, like in the general. corporate work, because this is a hard crowd, right? Well, or is it? it? It's kind of, I like for me, it's an e- it's a hard crowd, but it's a very easy gig. Um, in that, yeah, it's it's ninety five percent of people skills, holding the space, reading the room, knowing how to energize people, and and I find all that stuff really fascinating. That's why I'm doing the coaching training because because from this point in my career, I don't want to go deeper into the singing. Like it's not like I know everything. I don't know very much, but I know enough. What I want to go deeper in is like the mindset and people skills and dynamics. Like that's what really fascinates me. Um. What is the idea behind the big corporates doing this sort of thing? Is it like a team building thing or yeah, is it like so realising that singing and creativity is a help? Totally, yeah. So it's it, it, it can come from different angles. I won't I won't do it if, if it's just for like a gimmicky we've tried paintballing, we've done this, let's yeah. get them singing. Like I I absolutely won't do that. Um, because like one of my core values like is, is integrity. Like whatever I do, it has to be with integrity. So it's like the sofa singers, for example, could be seen as like, that's just a bit gimmicky. It's a bit jazz hands. I'm like, well, if it was, I wouldn't be doing it. Like I want this to have genuine impact because that's another of my values is like, it needs to have impact. So it's like, okay, well, how can I approach this? Like 
in a corporate setting that it's good it's going to have integrity but it's going to have impact and and i'm always approached to do the corporate jobs from a perspective as like we want to bring people together in a different way like we want them to collaborate in a different way sometimes it's around well-being you know because there's so much about singing that that supports well-being whether it's the physical the breathing the endorphins the oxytocin you know you don't have to sit around and and Watch another PowerPoint. Watch another PowerPoint. It, it's it's active. Dull um, teams meetings. Oh. So it's and, and, because, and, and because I'm not from that world, like I've never, you know, in my whole life, you know, I've my career has been working as an ice cream maker, working as a teacher in a school. Oh, we're going to come and, back and, to and, this. And, and, and then, interested. And then and then as a freelance singing leader, you know. So I've never worked in a, you know, I've never corporate worked in office as part of a corporate. So I kind of come in. Just like, let's just, just make some singing happen. Like, yeah. you know, you kind of like read the room, you're aware of the dynamics. So it's all, yeah. So it's always to do with bringing people together. When I think post COVID, that's more important than ever, like in the room. Like I was doing a workshop just for Christmas for a really great company who expanded a lot during lockdown, a lot of remote workers. And this is the first time they'd all met each other. So there's a hundred people. And so I got them all, got them all singing, you know, and quite a few of them came up to me afterwards and said, look, I never met my colleagues before. And now like, I've just, you know, I just feel so connected with them because we've been singing together. And so I think that's the real power of it is it's the connection piece. It's um, for some corporate stuff. It's just like doing something that's a complete change. Right. So it's like, I did a thing in Hamburg in Feb uh, last September and it was like three days of strategy interspersed with me getting up you know getting people stretching breathing connecting singing so it was a complete a bit like the Fleetwood Mac interlude like a little palette oh concert. so you just come in at intervals a, throughout the day little, and yeah yeah so that's, sort of that's the format from all the misery. instead so of a coffee break they get kind of yeah yeah exactly and sometimes it's because you want to bring the energy up so like the graveyard shift after lunch everyone's had lunch everyone's a bit sleepy everyone's a bit sleepy so it's like well that's the time that we we, we lift the energy yeah at the start of the day, often people have flown in from different places. That's the point where I'll just do some breathing exercises and chill. some stretching. So like this this company I was working for in September, I was literally first on. People had flown in, not just from Europe, but right the Middle East and whatever. And then the chief exec got up and did his bit. And he came to find me at the coffee break and he was like, I'm so glad you went first because you really... I was really relaxed by the time I went on. I was really nervous about speaking, mm. but just doing five minutes of stretching, breathing. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. It's, yeah. it's how I start every choir rehearsal. But he was like, that really just relaxed me. I did a much better job. Thank you. And so it's like, when you're talking about it, what value can you bring? You know, that, you know, that is the value that it, it, it's, it's inputting into people's kind of like well being, but it's, it's bigger than that. It's feeling part of something at work, you know, it's like, I guess it's multi-layered for different people, but I think the initial question was like, how did I get into it? Yeah. Because um, it's quite niche, isn't it? Like, well, like, it feels quite normal to me now, but it's like, that is quite a niche thing to be doing. Super niche. But I, I've seen the benefits of it through, through you, but also in my own experience, working with some of these corporates and doing some of these things. And I, and I know how much they value it. Yeah. I think the, the difficulty is trying to spread that word. How do you approach these big multinationals and go, hey, you know what you need? <laughs> you need singing yeah. workshops for your yeah, executive, yeah. you know, suits. So the truth is I've never approached anyone. They've approached me. Right. And 
It's usually an approach by someone who has experienced one of my workshops for themselves yeah. and wants their team to experience it for themselves. Right. So it's almost like you have to be... You have um, to experience bit, it. You have to be a believer. You know, it sounds like <laughs> culture, but, you know, like you have to have felt it in your bones. Yeah, right. And and a lot of this work has come from an event that I did in 2018 called the Do Lectures, which is what led to the book. Yeah. I've said my, to my publishers, I'll mention it 10 times. No, I won't really. <laughs> Keep chipping away. But um, so I did, I was asked to do this talk in 2018 at this event called the Do Lectures, which is on a farm in West Wales for 100 attendees who come from all around the world. And it's around people making positive change and doing things and not just saying things. And it, it, it was main, mainly people from kind of business, from design world. The founder of Parkrun was there. Right. You know, it's like really amazing, cool. disparate individuals. Somehow I ended up there, but that is another story. Um, and um, I was really lucky. I gave a 20-minute talk about singing and how it's not about singing. It's about community. It's about connection and it's about catharsis. And then I had two minutes to go. I was like... Right, come on, everyone, let's do this. I got them on Did their you? feet. Yeah, yeah, I got everyone singing, um, and everyone like went out on a high. Yeah. Um, this is the thing that I parked early, by the way. There was a live stream. It was being this is like well before COVID. It was before its time, but the event was being live streamed because yeah. the, their thing is we have, we can only sell a hundred tickets because it's on a, in this tiny venue, but we'll live stream it and the rest of the world can watch it. And there were people that I knew back in North Wales who were like who'd got together to watch my talk, and they um, then filmed themselves joining in and singing at the end. Cool. And I was like, now that's cool. Like I'm here in this like converted um, cow shed. They're like a hundred miles away, joining in on this lime street, and I'm making them sing remotely. I'm like, that's really cool. And I didn't think anything more for the next four years until lockdown happened, or three yeah, years, or whatever it yeah. was. Um, so it's almost like sowing the seeds sowing really, the for seed, what was yeah. to come. So it was that event, anyway, that laid the foundation for the corporate work, because the Do Lectures is not a singing event. It's not mm. even kind of like an arts or creative event. It's kind of just like an, a bit like TED Talks, like an idea yeah, right, right. fest. And so no one went there expecting to sing. And I ran work, a workshop during the weekend that people opted in and came to. And at the end of the weekend, we gathered all the attendees and we, we sung the Sweets Kick in the Heart. Yeah. And the, the two people who founded the Do Lectures were stood in the middle. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, I, I apologised them because it was just like, everyone was just like in floods of tears. Yeah. So David and Claire Hyatt were in the middle. The singers, was about 30 people from the workshop, wrapped around them including my wife and my young daughter, we were singing The Sweetest Kick in the Heart. And there's another ring of people around the edge of that, which was all the attendees from the weekend. And it was like any kind of Mega. like smaller festival event. Like it was just, it was a moment. It was an amazing moment. But for me, it was amazing because these were people who turned up with an open mind, but not expecting to sing. Mm. And it was like, I'm entering your world like, I know that I kind of know the singing world. I know the world I've, I've come from, like community arts, teaching, the singing world. But you guys are like a completely different world to me. And I can see how this is bringing value to you and how it's impacting you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of how a lot of this work has happened. So like I've, I've been back at the Do Lectures every year and now run, I do singing with a whole group. So like last year um, we did um, Moving On Up by Primal Scream with all the attendees. Cool. So on the, last, on the last night we gathered around the fire um, and we sung Moving On Up. And it was, you know, someone from, one person from there who runs an events company was like, never thought I'd, you'd get me singing, but I loved it. I can see how it can bring value to my clients. So that's how I got my first series of corporate gigs. Amazing. Was, was, was that. So yeah. when you start doing this corporate stuff, do you find 
you know, in this situation with the do lectures, you, yeah, you were in an environment where you were from a different background to everyone yeah. there, but people weren't in there open-minded. Do you find in the corporate stuff, there's a lot of resistance, people going, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't sing. 100%. Why are they making me do this? It's not my job. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So how do you overcome that? Um, a light touch. Not telling them that you're going to be singing. That's a good, yeah, I get that. <laughs> not, it's like, like not being introduced as a singing guy. Like I always stipulated, please don't put me on the program as singing with James. Yeah. Because right. people like singing with, oh, for is that God. a lot to do with like the stereotype of yeah. singing? Like, yeah, it's more so now with things like X Factor and Hun- and pop H- music. Hundred percent, Scott. Yeah, because people think judgment. You know, it's like the things that people I think are most scared of is like public speaking or singing. And it's like right. you're singing, you're making yourself vulnerable. Why do I want to do that with my colleagues in this kind of like? I've worked hangar? years to put this professional veneer yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, wipe yeah. it all off in ten minutes. A lot of these workshops are with CEOs and CFOs, right? And everyone's on a level. Everyone is on a level, which is brilliant. Yeah. Like my first like realization of this was, so I worked as a school teacher for almost ten years in a secondary school, and I ran um, like a lunchtime choir, and it was staff and students. Uh, and really, again, it was a bit like my community choir, I kind of cut my teeth a bit running that. And the deputy head used to come and sing and was there shoulder to shoulder with like some like naughty year nines who just like come and sing or you know, maybe the music room was warmer than being outside or something or whatever. But it didn't matter. Like it was a complete equaliser, you know. And sometimes I had to pull up the staff and be like, can you actually just focus on what I'm saying? Like stop marking your reports or checking yeah. your phone. <laughs> you know, like seriously, I was yeah. like, come on. But it's the same principle when I'm working with, um, with companies and I think that thing about how do you bring people along with you like that's where again it's like 95% people skills and 5% singing skills so yeah. it's like it's reading the room it's having a light touch it's not telling people that you're singing and so I've kind of developed this way of doing it where I'm like okay look oh, it's after lunch right let's just stretch out a little bit if you're like okay let's uh you know and you just build it up really really gradually yeah stretching and before they know it humming yeah you get them using the voice a little bit like like okay let's just try the acoustics like like and everyone's like like, oh that's cool let's try this hey you know and then suddenly you're moving into the singing voice from the speaking voice and then but it's, it's like it's it's totally a trust thing it's just yeah. like okay this guy's it's a building right. a building relationship with building relationship yeah You've yeah. only got a short amount of time to do that as well. Well, ideally, like what happens is I have, yeah, I have very short amounts of time. Like ideally I have like five minutes to start with. So it's yeah. like, hi everyone, let's do some stretching, breathing. <sighs> right, okay. See you later. Oh, okay, right. And they go and do something else. And then I'll come back for 10 minutes and then we, d- we build it a little bit more. Yeah. And then the last session of the day is like, okay, we're going to do this song in two-part harmony. You're on this part. Let's put some hand claps in. Like, let's just do this. Let's just create a moment. And by that point... I've hopefully created a space where they feel comfortable to do that, you know, and and I pretty much always get them there. Like I, last week was a was a particularly hard gig because it was 150 accountants who did not want to be oh, there. Tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But so, I, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd imagine you get more of a sense of change from the beginning to the end of a session with a gig like that than you do where you're on side with a bunch of community guys who want to be there and choose yeah. to be there in the first place. 100%. The turnaround from I'm an accountant, don't make me sing to <laughs> yeah, at the end of it, you know, like yeah. it, must, yeah, be, yeah, it yeah. must be hugely rewarding for you. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, um, 
I, th- I suppose it's like knowing the value of both of those things. Like they've got, they've both got massive value. And so like you mentioned like the Wrexham One Love Choir in the intro, like mm. they're a choir set up well, four hold or five years thought, ago. James. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do a cannon break. <laughs> Another one. We're that far in already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Bear with us two yeah. seconds. Oh. Give us the music. Give us the music. Oh, music, of course. Yeah. yeah come on. There, there we go. Reset. So the Wrexham choir, I forget the name off the top of my One head. Love. The One Love Choir in Wrexham. Um, so as I mentioned in the introduction, this was um, Wales's first choir for homeless and marginalised people so yeah. to build community. Right. Tell me a bit more about it. Yeah. So, well, just to like address your last point, and then I'll very happily talk about them, is that like you were saying like the difference between a group that you might yeah. see regularly yeah, yeah. and between like these kind of, you know, like the corporate settings. Like the the... the the real value in, in seeing a group week in, week out, like with the One Love Choir or like with the community choir your parents sing in, is that you see the journeys that people go on over a longer amount of time. You know, you build up that rapport, you get to know people, you can kind of really move with that group, understand what they need. And, um, you know, and in the case of like the One Love Choir, you see people make radical changes in their lives because the singing provides them like a framework, it yeah. provides them community. Consistency, them the structure. Consistency, all these like really yeah. super important things. And um, so that's, you can only do that by investing time and, and committing to something, you know. And so that, that group's been going almost five years on a weekly basis. Um, that Yeah, the, the difference that you see in like a workshop or a corporate setting is just it's just like a very quick, like zero to a hundred, you know, in a very short amount of time. And, you know, you, you don't really know what the long-term ripple effect of that will be, but what uh, that's something I'm interested in is like, I'm not interested in people being like, I really enjoyed that with James. I'm going to go and join a choir. Like sometimes that happens and that's fine. But what I'm really interested in is like, well, what ripple is that going to have? It's like, mm. do you know what? That's made me feel like, I can actually do things that are outside my comfort zone. Therefore, yeah. I'm going to try this. Or sometimes people have emailed saying, do you know what? I went home and I just sang with my children and it was wonderful. And yeah. I was like, oh God, that's amazing. Like, that's, um, I mean, that's bigger than yeah. I've gone and joined a choir. Yeah, exactly. Huge. Yeah. So it's like, that's why I really appreciate being able to have long form conversations like this because it's not always obvious the objective of what I do. Like it isn't actually about the singing. It's about the people who sing and it's about what that does for people well you you said to me you're a connector of people yeah you know, and, and actually b- breaking down barriers by singing is 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 a, is a good way of doing it do you know what i mean like yeah. it's a much easier route to breaking down barriers than a lot of other things actually right. and it's overlooked it's not very british to be to be singy and jolly and happy you know it's not necessarily high up on the priority list and i kind of think like it's taught badly, I think, or it certainly was in my generation when I was at school. Singing wasn't a particularly creative thing. It was Scott, singing. What's your? Can I out of it? Because I know a bit about Adam. Like, what's your yeah. relationship with singing? Is that of interest? I've I've been in a couple of bands. I I was the I say the front man of a band. We we didn't really do much. We just rehearsed a lot. But uh, yeah, I I I love it. Great. I, I play guitar and sing all the time. So, was there ever a point at school where you were tapped on the shoulder and said, "Mime at the back and don't sing." Uh, I see at school I really I I didn't I wasn't really creative at school I was quite late to it right I see okay but I think school has a way of not letting you be creative it's very mainstream yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean d- it might be d- different d- now I mean I'm talking 30 years ago when yeah. I was at school but it was very like straight down like classical the, hymns and well, stuff you know yeah yeah well, the, I mean the reason I asked Scott is just because 
almost like nine times out of ten, the reason people stop singing and they get hang-ups about it is because they're told at school, often by a teacher, usually by a teacher, that they're like, oh, you've got an awful voice, like, just mime at the back, like, and then that's it, and that is enough. Mm. That's like, enough you only life. need to hear it once, yeah. and that's it done, you know. And then we get into the thing, like you said, about X Factor. Like, it's a, it's performative. It's about getting it right. Judgment. It's about judgment. Well, the first thing someone says if you sing is, when are you going to go on X Factor? Yeah. And that's terrible. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's that's nauseous. Like, yeah. That's the only route. That's the only reason why... The only reason to sing would be to, like, get a record contract. Or to be on please TV. other people or make some money. You or, don't even need yeah. a record contract now. No. There's Just so like, many successful DIY artists out there. Yeah, or you don't even. Or it doesn't need to be successful. Or you don't even need to yeah, exactly it like, might be that they've been inspired to, to go home and sing to the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, exactly. that might be being successful. Hey, right for them. Right, exactly. How do you define yeah, yeah. success exactly? Yeah. So I'm you just know, um, having the confidence to sing in front of your kids. Yeah. might be the absolute win. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine. Uh, who is it? I think it's Eric Cantona. <laughs> this random is a bit of a random tangent. <laughs> right, where's this going to go? Do you where's think? the king <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. into this? <laughs> Any guesses? Okay. Um, is it something with trawlers and fish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Eric Cantona sings with his kids every morning does he yeah oh, I, I remember Eric reading Cantona. an article about him yeah what and I'm just like what a lovely thing to do is yeah. they sit around they have breakfast and they sing together uh, can you imagine what a better um, place with less power trips and egomania that life would be if everyone got up and sang in the morning before they went to work yeah yeah we live in a very different planet. Yeah, totally. Because you'd be, you'd have to listen to each the other. World leaders should do some more singing. Yeah, totally. I believe there is a House of Commons choir. Let's not talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Rex. No. We'll need a whole other podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, let's move on to the, the Rex and One yes. Love Choir. Moving on. From this politics. sounds amazing. I don't know anything about this, so right. I'm really interested to know how this came Fun, about. And well, and, and, and you know, is it still going? Yeah, it still is going more, um, just more, more strong than ever, really. Um, so, 2018, I did some work with an amazing charity in Liverpool. Uh, they're a nationwide charity in England, but they have a choir in Liverpool called Choir of No Name. And they set up, uh, you know about, you know about Choir yeah, of No Name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing, amazing charity set up by an amazing um, lady, Marie Benton, who... I was a musician working in a homeless shelter and was like, maybe I should do a singing session. And that new, that kind of nucleus of an idea expanded into like, they've now got five or six choirs across the UK. And it's, and the, for people who've experienced homelessness or other forms of marginalization. And the idea behind Choir with No Name is that people come and they experience singing as a form of community and connection. And after the rehearsal, they sit down and they eat together. So like we were talking about like those fundamental human things, you know, like things that we, we don't do. You know, we coming together and eating together, like yeah. pretty important things. Um, and so I, 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 you know, 2018, I was, you know, like I think I was just on the cusp of, um, I think recently freelance come out of teaching, but I knew that singing was going to be my way kind of, you know, way through life, at least for the next few years. And I went and did some work with the Liverpool choir and I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is just incredible. Like just the energy, the passion, you, the impact. It was just incredible. Like it was just like tangible. Like I feel quite emotional just thinking about it. And I was just like, wow, you know, and I think I was probably, again, posting about it on, on my socials. And um, 
this is where it dovetails into politics, actually. Um, Ian Lucas, who was the then MP for Wrexham, um, got in touch and said, look, can you come to my office for a meeting? I'd really like to talk to you about setting up a homeless choir in Wrexham. Um, he's a really, really good guy and his, his wife, um, him and his wife used to run a singing streets festival in Wrexham where choirs would come from outside, well, around Wrexham and outside of Wrexham to sing in the streets, like a street choir festival. And what they discovered was that um, members of the homeless community, which the, there were many at the time still are in Wrexham, would really engage with it, you know, and there's something, like saying, that's very democratising about singing, but also just like choirs being on the streets and you can just, you know, whoever you are, you can listen and engage with it. And so there's like a seed of an idea there and he was like, look, I, I know who all the different agencies are, I can help set this up. Like, you've got the musical know-how, can you bring that in? And I was like, yeah, like, let's do this. So we had, like, this first meeting. We had hundreds of people, like, from different agencies there, like recovery agencies and charities. And I was like, how is, like, there's so many moving parts. How is this going to get off the ground? But we did. We had our first few rehearsals. We had, like, 60 people at the first rehearsal. It was, like, 500 people in the Zoom room at the first Sofa Singers. It was like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Um and then it, it didn't didn't take very long for us to get some solid funding in place. Cause it's a big operation, you know. There's we have a, a choir manager who works twenty hours a week, which is a paid position. We've got a team of volunteers. Um, we sit down, we eat together after the rehearsal, so there's money for food. The choir director takes a fee as well, you know. So it needs you know proper funding. Yeah, it's um, a proper operation. It's a yeah, exactly yeah. And anyway, we, we just kind of hit the ground running really. Um, by the second year, 2019, we were on stage at the Eisteddfod in Clangothlan, which is a big deal. Yeah. Um, if you're not from Wales, you know, it's a big international singing festival. You know, it's kind of like the Glastonbury in a way of the choir world in some ways. Yeah. We were there performing and there was, there was one guy, at least one guy, we've got, got the coach in the centre of Wrexham to go to that performance and we're like, oh, he's not here. And they're like, oh, we know where his tent is. He's sleeping rough with him and it is in his tent. Mm. So we pulled the coach up by his tent and there he was. And he was like, oh, is it today? He jumped on the coach. And then like <laughs> two hours later, he'd put the choir t-shirt on and he was there singing to like 600 people. Incredible. So wow. when I talk about like the ripple effects, it's like, I, I haven't seen this guy for a while. Like, I think he's okay. But it's like, uh, my aspiration for him isn't that he's gone to go on X Factor. It's like that he's used that experience of feeling part of something, of feeling supported, of like having, you know, like boosting your self-esteem mm. to then take that forward in his life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, whole, that's the whole point. And, of the and I bet there's a whole, a whole bunch of stories that are just the same across the Ev board. Every, honestly, every, sing every single person. And um, at the minute we are, we're at a very early development stage with the BBC about a possible documentary that will involve our choir members, ah. which I can't really talk anymore about. If it comes off, it'll be huge. If it doesn't, it's fine. Because mm. the main thing about that the choir... That wasn't the reason for it, yeah. Um, yeah. And the main thing of the choir is meeting every week, the community. Um, but, you know, we, we did this piece where I was like, look, we're just going to go around. If anyone's got anything you want to say about what this choir means to them, what, you know, how is it part of your story? If you're comfortable saying this out loud, we'll film it now. If not, we'll do it later. And almost everybody put their hand up, yeah. you know, and had something to say about it. Not everyone in the choir has experienced um, homelessness, but there are a lot of people here in recovery yeah. who have experienced I can't think of a better, trauma or, or a more powerful um, tool for recovery. Yeah. Uh, for bringing people together. It is. Than getting people in a room doing a thing mm. and it's 
And it's it's different from, you know, it's not like we're sitting around. I think there's something very powerful about groups. I think that's why a lot of therapy happens within we're, groups. We're, like, we're, like AA we're tribe meetings. people. We're tribal species, people. There's you know, something yeah. very... Got to be together. ...important about being heard and about being seen and about it being collected. But there's something I about think there's a lot behind that in terms of religion and stuff, organised religion, like being in church and stuff yeah. like that. It's about bringing the community together. Yeah. The means is kind of by the by exactly it's about the people being together exactly and having a reason to stand up and talk to each other and to yep. co- you know connect yeah. in some way yeah 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 sing exactly. together in churches but then whatever. singing together exactly so in a in a choir session it's different you know from like a talking therapy or a support group because you don't have to say anything if you don't want to yeah right. like it's about it's about the collective sound you know we can't all speak at the same time but we can all sing at the same time right and quite often people will offer up in the break of the tea break or over lunch, they'll offer up a bit of their story, but it, it's that's not the vibe. The vibe yeah. is we're gonna we're here, we're gonna sing. I'm gonna have high aspirations for you guys. Yeah, you know, which which for a lot of people is really important. You know, it's like this isn't just a sing along. Like you know, this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. Yeah, and it's 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 always so hard, not so hard, but it's such a balancing act between let's make this inclusive and fun. Um, and let's bring everybody into this experience, make it inclusive, but also like how can how can it actually have quite a lot of integrity? How can it how can I push push this musically so that it's really satisfying? Yeah, right. That's you no, know, that's always interesting, and that's what interests me. Um, so all of those things that we've talked about just make it an incredibly powerful experience. And so when we were doing these kind of castings for this BBC documentary, we we literally could have used anybody for this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just amazing, and um, yeah, they're amazing. They're, they, it's it sounds like one that's particularly rewarding for you. It sounds like that's yeah. what quite emotive and it is. being a part of that it's, sounds it's, like it's you know mega. it can be really challenging at I'm times. I'm sure, yeah, I'm it sure. can it's it's very it's, it can be a real it can be really tiring as yeah. much as it fuels me. It also requires a lot of energy, yeah. and um, every week's different. You know, sure. we're averaging 40 to 50 people every week now. It's amazing. You know. Um, what a we, thing. Yeah, it is. It what is a thing. thing. But, but a bit like going back to the corporate work, it's really important for me to keep it light, you know. And, and that's what, you know, like we laugh so much in rehearsals, yeah. you know. And a lot of people say, this is the only time I laugh in the week or, you know. And it's not like I'm, tr- I'm not trying to be a comedian, you know. No, but it's give, it gives people an escape. Um, I... I I, I'm, I'm always amazed by the power of music and the effect it can have on other people. Because often you, you're part of musical ensembles or musical projects for yourself, primarily. Yeah. Because for you, yeah, 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 your yeah. well-being and the rest of it. Um, I've been in a band for 15 years nearly. It's, um, it's kind of like a parody skiffle band. I play uh, washboard and a uh, suitcase and we parody pop songs in this Latin 50s skiffle kind of vibe double bass saxophone guitar we all sing it's very funny it's very silly and we've become, become how quite does the saxophone player sing not at the same time <laughs> good point um <laughs> we've become sort of festival favorites in certain areas and, and got a bit of a following and it puts smiles on people's faces and we do it because we enjoy it and, we, and it's just playing dress up with your mates and having a sing and it's amazing some of the feedback, I remember there was a festival we did a couple of years ago and a lady came up to us and said, my husband died last year of a very aggressive, fast cancer. 
and he was gone within two weeks. I've not smiled since until today. So mm. thanks. So, you know, hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Mega powerful stuff. You know, music oh. is powerful and um, creativity is powerful. And I think that's, that's why we wanted to start this podcast a little bit to actually shine the light a yeah. little bit on. This isn't just about art and doing something on the side. This is a core to us as a human right. species. 100%. It's important. 100%. You know, it's amazing hearing some of the stories and the things you're involved with. I mean, Obviously, it's your profession. It's what yeah. you do, and you're very good at it. What is it, you know, is there still space and room for creativity within the fact that it's a corporate structure or, like, a, a work thing for you? How much creativity do you get out of it? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question, that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> we had to it's wait an genuinely hour an interesting... It took me an hour to get that in. <laughs> I saved it for the right moment. It is genuinely an interesting question. Uh, uh, so um, it's like podcast bingo. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. That's a very interesting question. Thank it's you for very asking. Very interesting it. question. Uh, it's a really inter- it is an interesting <laughs> question. I meant that genuinely. I w- I said that without even thinking. Yeah. Because um, it's like I think you know if you kind of zoom in on creativity, yeah, it's about you know maybe it's about art, it's about literature, it's about writing music. You know, it's about kind of creating art. And I, you know, with a few exceptions, like there's there's the, the band I've been part of for about twelve years, which I'm a songwriter for and a kind of contributing writer. But that's kind of quite sporadic. Um, you know, we might we might do like an album every couple of years, and I might contribute three or four tracks. So I don't really feel that gives me like, you know, proper creative yeah. like points. Um, and yeah, at the minute, like there isn't. I, I don't make the space. I'll say there's not space. I don't make the space for that in my yeah. life. You know, I've got, I've got I a young family. My, I've got all my freelance. Yeah. But if you zoom out from that, like, you know, I think that the essence of what I do is definitely creative because I, I suppose the way I work with, the way I work in my choirs and my workshops is that I, I bring in the material or an idea for the material, but I've only ever got about 70% of an idea of what I'm going to do with it, which is like, particularly with my choirs where I never give out lyric sheets because I'll always change it. I'll always <laughs> do something different with it. And it's slightly different like with the different groups that I work with. But say like with the Wrexham World of Choir because we're talking about that. It's like I might bring a song. We've just started working on um, the real thing, You To Me Everything. right? So you've got like that bones of the song. But it's like, okay, let's just like, for this first one, let's just maybe try you guys. Do you want to do a solo on this bit? And like, okay, that's really working. And then like, we've got like some musicians who play in the band and like the guitarist starts doing something. I was like, that's really nice. Like, let's do that. Let's just keep that. So that helps it keep it fresh for you as well. Because when you're doing the same thing over and over, totally. week in, week out, it can become yeah. quite dry. Because a lot of comedians do that as well. Yeah. Right. So they'll... Leave space in yeah. there for so they, yeah, 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 exactly yeah, yeah. that. Because it was when they're on tour every single night, every for weeks. And especially week when something like that, where every word is potentially scripted there's no room for creativity Mm. yeah beyond the creativity of writing the thing in the first place yeah isn't it fun with comedy though like say if you've seen a comedian on tour and then you see like we'll say the dvd that's old school isn't it if you see on netflix see on netflix (laughs) and it's the same show you can be a bit like oh okay but then if you go and see a band you know and they do exactly the same set list and you see that on Netflix. You're like, way. Yeah. Like there's there's something about the comedy experience where you kind of like, well, there's a, a perception that it's more off the cuff. But of course yeah. it's not like, you know. Yeah, these yeah. guys write. 
Um, kind of thing. Any other performance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaving yeah. space in there. I, I thought that might be your, your answer that, to that question and the reaction because I struggle with that as well in terms of the perception of what I do for a living. And, mm. and I'm guessing, Scott, it's the same for you as yeah. well. You know, you're a photographer, videographer by day. That What an amazing creative um, thing that you do. Yeah, yeah. But last week, you know, we were out taking photos of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's not all sexy, creative stuff. Yeah. And it's about creating the space and being responsible for creating your own space within that to have some creativity. Yeah, yeah. And this and is finding the balance as well, because obviously it usually starts off as a hobby and then it turns into a career right. later on. Yeah. So that if that is still your hobby, mm. you still need what to... What you do for your hobby? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. still need See, to... I've got like, I struggle with that a little bit now because yeah. of full-time photographer, videographer, but that is still my hobby. So I still have to find the time. So to, I'm, I'm a bit angry with myself. I've got a really bad habit of sort of like monetizing or making businesses out of my ho- my creative hobbies whether it yeah. over the years what i've done i like doing that i like the ch- creativity and challenge of trying to make this thing into yeah. into yeah, yeah, yeah. something i can earn some money out of but then when i do that and it takes off the creativity gets stolen yeah, yeah. and you know music for example i'm having a bit of a rena- renaissance for music the last couple of years so i've got involved in new projects and things which have really sparked music again for me for a very long time music and I discussed this in the last podcast about, mu- we talked a lot about music. It's just that actually it's not mine anymore. And I don't actually get a lot of joy out of music because it's now this commodity mm. that I sell to people. And I've kind of done the same with photography. When I started photography, I took 20,000 photos in the first year of my family and friends and kids and leaves on the trees and landscapes and anything I could get. I was like, I'd never left my house without a camera in my hand. Yeah. And now it's like, if I have a camera with me on a Saturday, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a bit work. Yeah. I don't take anywhere near enough photos now. Mm. There's a couple of years now where I've not really taken any pictures of my family. Yeah. You know, whereas before there's loads. And I've got to really work at trying to bring creativity back into what is a creative pursuit for me that I've made into a business yeah. and finding space for these things. And I think it's, it is a challenge for a lot of people who work in perceived creative industries Ooh. that at the end of the day, you're working for somebody. You're no longer, you, so there's only limited scope for creativity around their brief. And they see they're it paying completely the money. different to you. Right. So, so you're so, trying to get into their yeah. mind and create, the, the best jobs for me in this are the ones where I'm brought in as the creative guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, we need some ideas. How, this is the message you want to deliver. How do you best see that we do a photo shoot or a, a video to actually make this, bring this to life? Mm-hmm. And that for me is like, yes, yep. there's my space for creativity and world rather than go and pull the trigger on these photos. Yeah. You know, this is what I want you to shoot. Then I want you to shoot this. Can you turn it around by Friday? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Finding that space for creativity. And actually... This is why I would argue as well that it doesn't matter what your profession or what your meaning in life is. There's creativity within that in oh, some way, yeah. shape or form. So 100%. in some ways, there's more creativity in non-creative roles than there are in creative roles. Unless yeah. you're like, yeah, unless you're like David Hockney or, you know, All right, <laughs> this kind a, of like, exceptions. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what, what I guess what I mean is, it's like, when you use that word creativity, that's what you think of. You, know, you think of like yeah. the greats, the great, the very great, the great artists player, you know, in any, and sense, like, and yeah. that's just incredible. And like, I, I don't know if you've seen Hockney's new installation, like in London, <laughs> it looks incredible. Like, I can't wait to go and see that. But if that's all we hold creativity to be, they're the only people who can be creative. It's the same thing as singing. Like we hold up this very small 
minority of people who can do it and the rest of us are just passive consumers. Right. And this is about opening the concept of creativity up to yes. everybody. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate this attitude from people saying, I can't sing. I can't play drums. I've got no rhythm. Shut up. Yeah, you mm. can. Everyone can have a go at this and you can get something out of this. If you're not a singer, great. It doesn't matter. Can you sing well enough to sing in the shower and enjoy a shower in the morning? Is that not more of a not having an interest in it more than not being creative? What? Because if you're, in, if you're interested in it, you're more likely to do it and find the passion I'd, for I'd it. I'd say maybe singing is like an exception for this because a very... Um, like an opening line, like people are saying, you know, you know, like what do you do for work? And it's not always that easy to explain. It's taken us about an hour in this podcast to <laughs> get to the bottom of it. But, you know, I said, oh, well, you know, I, I bring people together to sing and for kind of, you know, transformation and to help people feel good. And, and almost always people say, oh, I wish I could sing. Yeah. That's almost always the response. Right. No one's ever was like, Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not bothered about singing. It's always like, I wish I could sing. Mm -hmm. It's not, I, I couldn't it. give a crap out about singing, you know. Not it's for a, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like literally no one, no one ever says that. And I, I, I think there is like a deep down kind of like need to sing, like desire to sing. Just like there's a deep need for us all to be creative. And um, around that issue of like creativity, because um, I've been thinking about a lot about coming on today and I've tried not to read. I've got a lot of books about creativity and unpicking it. And I've consciously not read in any of them because otherwise I'd just probably, you know, be uh, regurgitating quoting. them, quoting <laughs> them. And I was just, I was swimming, which is for me like a way to unlock bits of my brain. Yeah. No distractions. Um, no distractions. No phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can't listen to podcasts. Exactly. It's kind of monotonous. So it kind yeah, of, I think rhythmical. it frees something yeah. in your subconscious. And I was like, this the the thought pops into my head is like, well, what's the opposite of creativity? And I know like not everything is. I got saw that opposite. Instagram post the other day. You what is that, that to me as well? I sent it to Scott. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've got to talk about that when James comes right. on. Right, because like that is cool. That's yeah, a, that's a great question. I think it might be my next book, Adam. If I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Yeah, like what is the opposite of creativity? Boredom. It, it's fascinating. Hold that We're thought. not there again, are we? With oh. Canon time. Oh time. my goodness. We've only had a couple of minutes. We might before we get onto that. Let's uh, have a quick pause. Are the cameras all right? Good old Lumixes. The Lumixes power on it's through. Talking point, Soldiering on. Yeah. So that's another cannon break for you. So. Are they sponsoring it? They well, if they did, they should give us better <laughs> cameras. <Yeah. laughs> Come on, Cameron. Lumix, on the other hand, can sponsors yeah, us bring, bring it on, Lumix. Um, right, so what is the opposite of creativity? Well, Where did you get to on Answers this? on a postcard. So um, it was it was brilliantly fascinating. And, and like my, like initially you go like, mm, maybe something that's like unoriginal or maybe something that's formulaic. And, and, and that doesn't really hold up because a lot of, um, art and creative work is formulaic, like yeah. a three-minute pop song. We've talked about that, or the twelve-bar blues, or snarter form, whatever. Yeah, right. Like these are these formulas, templates, templates. Yeah, exactly. And we need them. We need them within creativity um, to flourish. And so then, people. There were some people who would like dig in a little bit deeper, and this is kind of what I was trying to get at. And it was things like stasis, um, depression, destruction. Someone even said death. 
And I was like, hang on a minute. And this I was is like, going well, in an interesting direction. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, well, I can, I can totally see, I can see, really see where this is coming from. Like, particularly I think, that idea I think destruction. of destruction. Destruction, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, it's that's the like the opposing of force, something. isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I wish I could remember what book it was that I read a few years ago. And it was talking about the fact that, you know, the destruction that is going on in, around the world environmentally, you know, um, destruction of, you know, indigenous cultures or whatever, you know, it, it sadly is part of the human experience. And it's like, well, rather than, you know, just feel overwhelmed and helpless, it's like what you can do is create. You could, that's the counterbalance. Yeah, right. It's actually creating things, you know, and creating things of beauty and of worth and of, and of integrity. And so I think if you probably had to level it, I think the opposite of creativity w would be destruction. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Um, it's the yin, yin to the yang. Suppose, yeah, yeah, I sense. think so. And I think it goes beyond, because obviously like... I suppose to, to answer the question, you always have to answer the question first of what is creativity? Yeah, which and again is me, really problematic. It, what, what, which is not easy. Yeah, how would you define that? Um, I think it's making something. Yeah. Um, in its essence, and I think that even that's a bit tenuous because you could be making something to template or on a production line, and that's not particularly creative. I think it's making something with the license to change as you see fit. Yeah, that's not a perfect definition by yeah. any means, but it's probably my own yeah. version of that. And and I think the level of creativity that you can put into something is 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 it can be anything. It can be it can be doing a creative thing like a, a video. I think it, but the brief is so tight that you can't be creative. Yeah, with it. that yeah. So then you that's could be motivated with an algebra equation, probably in some cases. Like, but is it not? Maybe. I'm not very good with algebra. It's, well, neither was I. But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the, the could. I think we get this idea of the creative industries because that's what we work in. Right. That it has to be therefore creative, but there could be something... I think it, it's problem solving, isn't it? Creativity. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Because thinking about how you can get from one point to another and make something along the way. Mm. I think particularly when it, when there's a story involved yeah. in any creative thing. So that might be writing a book or a blog or a, or a, a song or a script for a film. Yeah. You know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. You yeah. get from one place to another. There's a, so maybe there's something in transience I in think creativity. Some, I think there's something about being in the moment, making decisions in the moment. Yep. I think that's important. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something, it's, it's sort of like divine intervention almost. It's, it's a thing that happens at that time you can't plan for. I think that's where the inspiration for good creativity, I think. Yeah. All, all, I think all my best ideas have come when I'm doing something. Yeah, when you're in the shower or something like that. Or swimming. swimming. Yeah. yeah. You never... Uh, uh, I'm never, like, I'm going away, I'm locking myself away in a cottage in Wales to get some ideas. Because I wouldn't have any. No, but, but a lot yeah. of people do work you, like you're that. putting pressure on yourself to think of something. Right. Yeah, I mean... It's like writer's block, you know. Yeah. This is you need why... To, you need inspiration. Yeah. I'm, I'm like on the opposite side of the camp for that actually i actually think that a big part of making anything like creatively is actually just like iterating and putting the work in like i'm not saying you're lazy adam maybe you just have these <laughs> maybe divine bolts of inspiration and i don't that's <laughs> no that's, no no, that's, no like the, I, that's like the classic i'm i'm all for the sort of theory that you know it's 90% perspiration, 10% yeah, inspiration. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. But that that nugget of... Yeah, that's true. That has to come from something, somewhere. Yeah. And I think getting that thought initially off the ground, you then have to put the graft in to make it happen. And uh, there are loads of... Like, we were talking about this yesterday in terms of, like, there's some horrendous photographers out there, for example, 
who are and you incredibly can find them successful. at www.horrendousphotography.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, they, they are very successful because they've got great worth ethic, work ethic, great business skills, and they're great marketeers and yada, yeah. yada, yada. And there's more creatives than you could ever care to name who are far more talented than I would ever dream of being who don't go anywhere because they mm. don't have that perspiration bit yeah. or they don't have the knowledge or whatever it might be. So it is a combination of those things, I'm sure. But where does that initial, that moment, that thing that, oh, that's a good idea. Mm. Is yeah. it just because you're born with a creative mind? I think it's curiosity. I think it's, I think curiosity, the first stage yeah. is curiosity. Is like being curious about the word, like whatever domain it is, whether it is photography, music, you know, gardening whatever it is I think it's just following a thread of curiosity mm. and I tell you who talks really amazingly about creativity and um, it'd be great if you could get him on the podcast um, uh, I've tried to get him on mine but he's busy he's Jacob Collier oh how do you get Jacob Collier on? Your <laughs> I podcast? don't know. I don't know. But he, he, someone. I mean, just the way. Yeah, I, he's I love a very his brain. interesting character. He's a very interesting guy. But he, he kind of talks about the thing that I was talking about earlier. Like what we need is here. He mm. was like, you know, like what makes you tick. Like you know the things that you gravitate towards. So just like go towards that, and that's curiosity, right? Yeah, right. Okay. And and I think I think that that's got to be the starting point and and this idea of like reconciling these two notions of creativity of of like kind of divine inspiration and being in the moment and and putting the work in i think can be brought together by like i was i was it was the do lectures 2019 i think um and michael sheen was there and i'm not na- i'm just not i'm not name dropping pick that one up but uh, <laughs> michael sheen was there singing in my choir um <laughs> No, the, the reason I say that is because the weekend ended with a Q&A with Michael Sheen. Yeah. And someone asked him that question about, I think it was about theatre, like, how do you keep it fresh when you're doing the same show every night or whatever? Which is kind of a bit what we're talking about, isn't it? That creative process. Yeah. And he was like, well, you put the work in, you have to put the work in, but then you do enough work so that you allow yourself to be in the moment and then you're free. Yeah. It's like, you, like, so work first. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind so of I've like, I've been talking about it on its flip. You well, get the inspiration maybe, there to put the graph like, in to make it I don't know. Slow. Like, if you think of like, like John Coltrane or whatever, yeah. like, you know, these like beacons of, you know, just like masterful improvisers. As much as he was like a freedom seeker, yeah. you couldn't just give him a saxophone without any lessons or right, yeah, without yeah. doing any scales and be like, right, create your he's art. He's got to learn his rudiments. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like he's got, a, you know, he, he put the hours he's in. put the chops in, yeah. He put the chops in. He's got his scales under his belt or whatever. And then that frees him up. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's probably a really healthy way of looking at it. I think we've nailed it, haven't we? Yep. Tick. <laughs> It's not an easy one to pin it's down. Really, it's really hard it's, to pin down. It's different for everyone. And, and this is why it's a question we wanted to ask you, and we'll ask yeah. anyone who comes on this show, because like, it means something different to everyone, and the way they define these things is different to everyone. And this is why we want to get guests on that. It's great to speak with people from creative industry backgrounds, but it's also going to be great to speak to people who are in perceived not very creative backgrounds right. in terms of how they apply creativity yep. to their role yep. or their life or what it means to them. This is For me, this is the fuel that fuels us as a species. I, I couldn't live without creativity. It's what's got us here in the first place, right. arguably. Yes, I was yeah. thinking that today, actually. Exactly, like our ability to adapt and evolve Evolution. species. Yes. It, we're like, the humans are like unparalleled compared to any other species, and that's why, yep. you know... We are who we are, for yeah. better or for worse. It is, it is. 
So we met 10 years ago, I think, maybe the first time. I met you backstage at a, a, a spooky show. Was it at Bury Met? It could have been at Bury. Bury. Um, so, but we've got to know each other more in the last year or so because... Yeah. Um, so we sing together in know. the Spooky Men's Chorale. Aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky indeed? Um, so Spookies are a touring band from Australia. Yes. A singing group. Originated in Australia. Originated in Australia with a, a large following in UK and Europe yes. as well. Uh, tour every couple of years in the UK. Um, you joined when? Um, I joined on stage in 2013. But I right. my first... Uh, um, interaction with the spooky men was kind of by random two years previously i think it was a gig that you were at and you were auditioned um we were the support act right for the spooky you said yeah Carol. we ended up in the pub a three-hour sing-off ensued <laughs> <laughs> i'll show you the videos it's amazing oh, there's a video. i'm amazing. like a pig in muck yeah. because um we're in this tiny like a much smaller room than this a tiny room with 20 Burly spooks, yeah. but 20 of us from Sense of Sound. All the spooks in kind of, you know, black stage clothes. We're all in like sparkly gold. We're singing like shiny R&B, acapella <laughs> pop songs. The spooks are singing Georgian drinking yeah, 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 songs. Yeah. But we had this musical meeting and, the, and there's a video of me in the middle like... And Chris, yeah. I'll make, you know, Chris from the UK spooks is like, teach me the bass lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, what's this? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like wide eyed, you know, eyes wide open. So that's, so my journey began in 2011. And then you've been on, involved ever since. I've been, yeah, I've been. So I, I auditioned in 20, uh, 2011 or 2013, yeah. I can't remember. Um, 11 it was. Was it 2011? Yeah, so. when I joined, they were like, oh, there's this other guy, you know, from the Northwest. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it took, it only took <laughs> this me. This man of mystery. It only took me 11 years to actually <laughs> yeah. get on tour for one reason. <laughs> Another. Burn. It was a yeah. slow burn. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I was accepted into the fold, and then it just didn't work. So eventually, I, I joined last year. Yeah. Did the UK tour in 2022. We literally over lunch today, we found out that we're going to be touring and some more details over the summer this year. So uh, we're doing a week at the end of August in the UK, followed by a week in Denmark and Germany. Yeah, <laughs> so super good. excited. So good. So excited. I'm getting so myself on that bus as a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> documentary so uh, yeah the, I, I don't know if we need to go into any more but uh, you know that that's kind of how we know yeah. each other oh and what a joy what a joy it's an amazing thing it's and if, an you amazing if you're thing. not aware of the spooky men's chorale we'll stick a link in check the description out. go and check it out and try and get tickets it's, um, it's not one it's very difficult i've always found this when people say what is it i go well it's a men's singing thing um and we do some funny stuff and we do some very serious stuff and it's really, really good. It doesn't really do it justice. Have you no. seen the film Swimming With Men? No. With Rob Brydon. Oh no, I've heard about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to check that. I think that's what? coming from a similar perspective. Yeah, maybe. definitely. It's is. one of those things, the spooks is definitely yeah. something that unless you see it, you don't really get it. But we've got a but, very avid following. And when, when you were talking earlier about your scuffle band and yeah. having that impact on the oh, audience Oh, that spooks members. is right on that street. Yeah, that moves I mean, people. It really... I, w I yeah. mean, I would, I would happily do spooky shows with no audience because I love the singing yeah. that much. I love the arrangements that much. I Big just shout love out to Mr. Stephen Tabernet. Yeah, shout out to Stephen Tabernet, the Spookmeister. Definitely, I love Stephen. I love his patter. I just, I just love everything about the show so much. However, put five hundred, a thousand, two thousand oh, other humans to invite them into that space and just taking them on again it's a bit of a cliche take him on that journey 
you know, where, you know, you talk about the arc of, what were you talking about, the arc of, oh, like, it's like a DJ set or whatever. Stephen is a master. He's a master of that. Of that uh, Holding the space. Last year, I thought, obviously it's my first experience on tour, but I've seen plenty of shows this week's. But I thought last year, the arc, particularly oh. the second set. Yeah. Last year, we did a couple of Ukrainian songs right. as part of the second set. And it was the most moving thing to be on stage. But, you know, you could look out and see the effect it was having people in the audience. It was just yeah. mega. It was such... And I think there was an added gravity to being on stage and performing to people last year in any mm. sense because of what we'd all been through for a couple of years before that. We were back singing we were back we were oh my back. god what a joy it yeah. was oh, oh no it was just it was just glorious um, um so yeah look it's, it's been um it's been a real pleasure thank, thank you so you much do. for coming in and chatting with us yeah no my pleasure as well thank you um really where can people where can people find you they can find me um at j sills music and that's on twitter linkedin instagram and facebook that's at j sills music uh and my website is james-sills.com and sofa singers, the door is open. The sofa is an extendable sofa. <laughs> um, that's every Tuesday and every I really Friday. I really that's the strap line. Over Zoom, it's an extendable <laughs> sofa, yeah. Uh, you'd be really welcome, you know, uh, if, if what I've said about singing resonates with you. Um, you can join sofa singers from the comfort of your own sofa. Well, I think that's a lovely thing. And it's probably a nice place to end. I, I do think that if we can just get one person listening who might think that I can't sing. I'd love, wish I could sing. Yeah. Yeah. Involved or even just thinking about, or who, maybe they might sing in the shower tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Then it's job done. I and, think. you know, maybe invite that person just to send, drop me a DM, slide into my DMs and let me know because that is truly the greatest joy and what I deem to be my greatest successes is when I hear those stories, you know? 100%. And uh, before we go as well, if I may... One more time. A little plug for the <laughs> publishers. Go and check out James's book, which is Do Sing. Yeah. Um, and in terms of Northern Powerhouse Media, where can people find us, Scott? Yeah, we are on Instagram, northern.powerhouse.media. Our website, npmedia.co.uk. And Come if you're and watching on YouTube, you and know... On YouTube, the you Creative know Pursuit. Our, yeah. You know our channel. But if you haven't been on our channel, go and check us out. We've got a mixture of philosophical chat... Chats with guests, um, gear reviews, yep. and anything creative. As ever, thanks so much for anyone who's uh, offered any feedback over the last few weeks. It's been we have had one this week. Oh, I've had a couple as well. Let me read this one. This is from my dad. Oh, Mr. Edwards Mr. Senior. Edwards, yeah. He says, hi, Scott and Adam. Thank you for putting this podcast together. It's become a regular listen on my trips down to Oxford. Really well produced and informative. As a long life creative, I can totally relate and it's fascinating to hear your take on different elements of the topic. One thing I've realized listening back is as a dad, you spend a lot of time and emotions in raising your kids in the best and most creative ways you can. But when you hear them give back, to, but when you hear them and give back, sorry, I've completely, I can't read. <laughs> but when you hear them give back and you actually learn stuff from them and their creativity, it's amazing. One area I'd be keen for you to explore is how you can apply your experiences to the process of writing, whether it's the process of writing a book or a series of blogs. What challenges do you expect and how would you use your experiences to overcome them? Keep up the good work. Loving the fake Fleetwood. <laughs> Who isn't loving the fake Fleetwood? <laughs> I absolutely love the fake. The fake it's, it, might, it might be our, um, our most redeeming feature. <laughs> <laughs> that and the Canon time. thanks to Canon, you have to play it several times. Well, you know, thanks yeah. Canon begrudgingly alright thanks very much for anyone who's listening and um, we'll see you again on the next one yeah, see you soon